This, this all brings up a question. If you've got your Bible's turn, we won't be here long, but we won't, we're going to do this for just a minute. And we're interactive here, okay, and we're going to be interactive now just a little bit. And as I was coming home from work today, I was, just, I was, I was thinking, uh, I've really had a, for lack of a better way to say this, a crappy day. And from the response that I've been getting from people who came through the door, everybody's had a crappy day. Okay? Things ain't worked today like things supposed to work. Now, we want to welcome our viewing audience. Are we on yet? Yeah, we want to welcome our viewing audience to the teaching ministry of Providence Worshiping Arts Center. Uh, whatever our address is on Highway 341 North in Jessup, Georgia. I, listen, I can't remember. 3343 maybe? But I'm uh, glad to have you watching, but you need to come and see, okay? Because if you can come and see, you see gold dust all over this place. And from Alejandra Martinez with this great ministry she had this past Wednesday night. And she left the evidence of it all over the place. And um, if you missed it, you need to keep watching the paper because she'll be back one day soon. But it's been a really, really, really day. Y'all have one? And when I was coming back from work today, I just got to thinking that stuff ain't worked right today for me. You know, it's, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me how well things can go on Tuesday. Monday and Tuesday. Listen, I had a great Monday. You know, I had a great Tuesday. And today, it was just... Never ceases to amaze me how it could just flip-flop so fast. And anyway, <clears throat> nothing worked like things were supposed to work. Felt like I was under attack. It, it actually felt like today that the enemy gained entry to my stomach. And it was just like this all day long. You ever had one of them days? It just the turmoil and the grind and the just the yuck of it all, and Pepsi don't work to relieve the the uh, the feeling that you have. You know, you can't eat enough um, chicken fingers or French fries or drink enough colas or coffee to get it. It just it grinds all day long. It's still doing that, and stuff just ain't worked today. And I got to thinking. Coming back from work today on, on a scripture, I asked God, I said, God, now I said, what do you want to teach me out of this? And he said, read this. And so this is Psalm 11, okay? You can call it Psalms if you want to. I'm good with that. Psalms 11. Verse 1, in the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. Verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? I got a question for you. What in the world is he talking about here? Ask yourself the question. Now it's obvious that David was under attack by what we would call his enemies. But his enemies, okay, were not the ones I don't think that were 
in other countries and other kingdoms and stuff. I, David had turmoil in many cases in his own family. He had turmoil in his life. He had people that would plot and plan and scheme against him and say bad things about him. And Honestly, some of them were true. But he felt, he felt the tension in his life. And he, felt, he actually felt the, the tension in his body when he would come under attack and when things just didn't work out the way he thought they should work out or the way he understood they should work out according to the kingdom rules. Because we live by kingdom rules. And, and sometimes, I'm just going to be honest with you, sometimes uh, things just don't work right. <clears throat> and so David here was having one of those moments when things just weren't working right. And this is what he said. He said, if the foundations be destroyed... What shall the righteous do? And I think what he's talking about a foundation here, a foundation is, um, or the particular foundation he could have been talking about was the foundation where, where uh, the Lord would, would protect him, would guard over him, would be his advocate, and he would, he would be his helper and his avenger. But somehow or another, something was not working along those lines, and, and there was something in David's life. There was a, there was a, there was a, a kingdom principle a foundation that he built his faith on, it just was not working for him for whatever reason. I think that could be what's going on here. But if that's the case, we're just going to be interactive here. Tell me, help me here, what are some foundations in our life that if those foundations are shaken, what can we do, okay? I want to keep a list here because I want to use this list in just a minute, so just give me a second. Okay. I got something to write on here. What would be some foundations in our life? Okay, trust. Belief in God. Okay, faith. What? Home, okay, home. Domestic stability, yeah. Okay. The early years of your life. What, Daylene? Job. Okay. We're getting into it. What are some other foundations? Family. What about, uh, what about health? Huh? What about, uh, what about economics? Finances, which would be um, prosperity, finances, wealth. What else? Another foundation. What about mental stability? What else? Okay. Uh, that would be God's um, God's preservation. Okay. What else? Anybody? There's plenty of them. Just what's some foundations in our life? Okay. Uh, our government. Our government. Okay, what else? Okay. That's enough to get us started. Now, let's phrase David's question. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? 
Let's just use some of these. I won't use them all, okay? If our belief in God be destroyed, what can we do? If our faith be destroyed, what can we do? If our home be destroyed, what can we do? If our job be destroyed, what can we do? If our family be destroyed, what can we do? If our health be destroyed, what can we do? If our finances be destroyed, what can we do? If my mental stability is destroyed, what can I do? If our government be destroyed, what can we do? Now, I want to ask you a question. I think you get the drift here. What can we do? You ever thought about that? If one or more of those things happen, or countless other things happen that could be inserted in this little question here, if, if, if that happens, what can we do? What can, I need answers. I didn't come here necessarily to give answers. I come here to get answers. See, this is, this is a flip-flop church. See? It's a flip-flop church. If those things are destroyed, what can we do? Okay, stand on a big rock. The rock. Christy says, stand on the rock. Gary says, be faithful. What else? Give me some help here. Remind yourself of God's track record of faithfulness. Yeah. What else? Daylene had something? Remind yourself of who he is and who you are. Pray. Okay. You get back to some basic questions, don't you? You get back to the basic question, is God good? Is he really who he says he is? Even though my circumstances don't look like it, even though it may not feel like it, what can I do? I'm a real person, okay? I mean, I am so real it ain't even funny sometimes. I'm too real for some people. I'll tell you where I'm at. When I was a young man, I was a lot of things. I was, uh, I was a heavy drinker. I was a hard worker. 
I was a money maker. 25 years ago, 25 to 28 years ago, I was making more money than anybody I knew of. I mean, I could, I could tell you how much it was. And even now, even now, most people, most people don't make that much money. And I had perks coming out the Yazoo. Had company vehicle, company gas. Boy, today that's a blessing. If you had a company vehicle and company gas today. Health benefits, retirement, bonuses. I was just making money every way you could possibly imagine. Stepped out of uh, public employment, went into the realm of private employment. My wife and I started a business still making money. I literally, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I know I could have spent all my money, but I wasn't foolish. I had all the money I needed. Now you listen, listen to what I'm telling you now. Now just follow it. Keep, stay with me. At age 32, I believed then and I believe now that I received a call to ministry, a call to preach. Okay? So what I did is I gave up private employment. And I gave up the health benefits. And I gave up everything that I could possibly give up because I thought that was the thing that I needed to do. And I went into ministry for ever how many years it's been. I don't even know. Now, let me say this before I go any further. I made the right choices in that regard. But things ain't worked out like I thought they'd work out. Okay? And now at 50 years old, I'm looking, now this is the way the, I mean just, this is the way the enemy plays, okay? Here's the way he plays. I'm 50 years old. I'm looking at my mom and daddy. Daddy's 72. He's only 22 years older than I am. I'm seeing his, his health deteriorate a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to be able to envision retirement, and I don't have any. Okay? Now, now stay with me, okay? I don't have any. I get up in the morning and my feet hurt. And I don't have balance like I used to. I don't have health benefits. You know, if I need, if I need Tylenol, I got to go buy it. If I go to the doctor, I, I, I don't have a copay. I got all pay. Which means I don't go to the doctor maybe as often as maybe I should. I go when I have to. Now... Stay with me. One of the things in my life, okay, that has always been a challenge for me is I've had this, I've had this, uh, and I guess it's part of the culture and part of the um, environment that I was brought up in, but, but, but 
financial stability has always been one of those things that's just kind of been here all my life. Now, I'm at the place in life where there, I, there's no financial stability because there's no financial. And that's one of the things that, that I've trusted in or that I've assumed I would always have because of God's goodness and His mercy. I've always looked at it from the standpoint that you know, God will always come through and He'll, he'll give it to me. And he, and he, all those things are true because I haven't missed a meal yet. But I'm beginning to see the other end of it a little bit, see? Okay? And I'm beginning to wonder what's going to be there for me. Because you can't count on Social Security. You can forget that one. They tell me it's going to be bankrupt in what? In 20 more years? Less than 20 years? I don't know how they're going to solve the Social Security dilemma. And so I ask the question to myself every day, and I'm going to phrase it a little differently. If this is going to be removed from my life, what can I do? You know, what can I do? I'm 50 years old. I'm not real marketable because the uh, 25 years old are much more energetic and stronger and they've got longevity and, you know, if you, if you have an employer, they'll look at somebody who can give them 30 years versus somebody who can give them maybe 5 or 10. Who are you going to hire? You're going to hire this one down here because you can get him cheaper and he's stronger and he's willing to learn and you can invest money there, see. So anyway, so here it is, this, this, this foundation in my life, what can I do? All right, what can I do? Is it ringing a bell with you? Is this kind of stuff making any sense to you? Well, I'm looking at it from the aspect that, you know, God's really going to have to do something. Because there's no retirement, there's no health care, and there's no Social Security. And so, so I'm in, this, I'm in this, this quandary. I'm in this place of, of um, trying to figure it all out, Okay. So now, as, I'm, as I see this mass of things, and that's just part of the equation, as I see this mass of things, now I ask myself the question, what am I going to do? What can I do? What can I do? Like I said, you got any answers for me? I'm listening. I need help. What can I do? Help me. Let's see, did I hear the voice of experience somewhere? Or did somebody say there's nothing, uh, there's nothing I can do? You know what? The bottom line is there is nothing I can do. This much. There is nothing I can do. And so I'm here to encourage people's faith. I'm here to encourage you by telling you that I've got this situation in my life and I believe and I'm trying to minister and this God of provision and graciousness and goodness that I speak about and that I live for, there's nothing I can do. Now, you know, think about this. To somebody who's lost, how would they respond to that? Would they want what I got? Help me. No, the answer is <laughs> the 
the reality of it is that they would not want anything about that because they would say, I have enough of this on my own. I don't need your help. Isn't it true? That's the way it would be. I can't do anything but one thing. And I want to share this with you real quick and we'll be done because our our kids are out and they're excited and they want to tell us what they've learned and what they're going to be involved in. And I'm excited too. 1 Corinthians chapter um, chapter 3. This is a little different, but I'm going to make the point here, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you have believed as the Lord gave to each one? Oh, by the way, how could Paul encourage anybody's face? He was a jailbird. Think about that. He was a man with a record. He was hated almost everywhere he went. People tried to kill him. He was a criminal, so to speak. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. For if we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, with silver, with precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If, any, <clears throat> if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. <clears throat> now the narrative goes on and on and on from there. But here's the point. We need to expect, you need to expect in your life, that the things which you have built your life on, and the things which you have put faith in, and it makes no difference, if somebody's listening to this, it makes no difference if you're saved or believe, or if, you, or if you're not saved. It makes no difference whether you have faith or whether you don't. Whatever the things are that you have built your life on, that you refer to as your foundations, at some point the God of all glory is going to test those things by fire. And you can, you can give me all kinds of objections that you want to. You can tell me it ain't so. You can tell me there's not a God. You can tell me that it's just happenstance and circumstance. But I'm here to tell you the path I've been down on. The God I serve has tried the things that I've built my life on. And he has sent fire into it. He's sent wind into it. He's sent water into it. He has sent pestilence into it. He has sent famine into it. He's sent plague into it sometimes just simply to show me what a farce some of it's been. 
And he's removed those things. And when he's removed them, he's left, he's left me a monument to the reminder of what he's done in my life so I can get a lesson. Now here's the thing. What can I do? I, what can I do in such case? Well, here's what you can do. You can be careful of the foundation you build on. You can be careful of the foundation you build on. Sister mentioned that the foundation is the rock Jesus Christ, and she's right. And he is, but whatever you put on top of that, whatever you build from that point, is tangible. It is of your design and your choosing. It can be something good, worthwhile, and of value, or it can be of something temporary. Not worthwhile. <laughs> Some of the things I put on my little foundation through life, I hadn't took it long to be woofed away. And in other things, it's taken a while for the fire of the Lord to devour it up because I've been stubborn. And you know what the interesting thing is? Some of the things he's burned up, I've tried to rebuild. And guess what? He sends fire along again. <laughs> or maybe it's just an ember left from a previous fire. I don't know, but I'll just tell you this. Anytime I've tried to rebuild, it's always come to disaster. But I'm going to tell you those precious sweet things, those things that were good, faithful, true, and honest, those things that were of good report, stability, full of honesty and integrity, those things have just, they've remained. But the stuff around it has just been woofed up. So what can you do if the foundations be destroyed? What you can do is you can choose. And you can play the poor little old me song if you want to, or you can cast it all on Jesus. Because I'm telling you, when it comes right down to it, every time I've ever gave him something, it's, it's been a good thing. It's been worth it. It's been protected. It's been preserved. It's been... It's been um, it's been nourished by him and caused to grow. But some of the stuff I put on it has all been burned away. Now I still don't have I still don't have the answer that I need for my future. But then again, the future is a Western mindset anyway. It's all it's all Greek mentality. Every bit of it's Greek mentality. You know what the definition for poverty was in the Bible? Anybody want to guess? I've, I've given you the definition a time or two over the years. Anybody want to know what the definition for poverty was? Huh? Here's the definition. You were poor in the Bible if you had no food for today. If you had, I'm telling you, if you had the heel of a loaf of bread in your pocket, you were not poor. You could not be categorized or classified as poor. 
I cannot be categorized or classified as poor because if you go to my house, you could board me in there and lock me up and I could live for several days one way or the other. When it comes right down to it, I could make me some Paula Deen biscuits because I had a friend of mine give me a Paula Deen seasoning box the other day and it had a, it had a dry mix of biscuits in there. I could make me some Paula Deen biscuits. And I could put some pure Georgia cane syrup on them biscuits. And I could eat a couple biscuits a day for a while. I got ravioli and pastoroni. And I got some chicken. And I got some eggs and some milk, some green beans. I got some dry cereal. I got some salmon. I got, what else I got? I got tuna in a can. I got some cheese. Water out of the tap. I could not be classified as poor. So why is it that I walk around saying I'm poor all the time and got it so darn hard? There's no excuse for it. You know what? It's the Greek mentality that we've got to have stored up today, not only enough for today, but for 20 years out. I don't have a guarantee that I'm even going to make it out of the door. And I'm worried about something's going to happen to me when I'm 72. Like no social security. No retirement, no 401k. I don't even know what a 401k is. I don't have to worry about the lottery. Now I have had a ticket or two given to me in the past. When the jackpots got real big. And I bought two or three of them. Okay, I probably own less than 10 lottery tickets. You know, that's okay. <laughs> I really don't care whether God wanted to give it to me through the lottery or through a check in the mail or somebody depositing money in my account or just walk it up and hand it to me. I don't care. But my point here is this. We could debate all this stuff all day long, but the thing is this. The reason we can't have the heart God wants us to have is because we got a Greek mind. The reason we are so miserable in America worrying about what we don't have and <clears throat> striving after the things we don't have is because, you know, we've been conditioned and trained for centuries to try to huff it on our own foot and not have to trust him, just to get it on your own. How many times you boys at home have heard your daddy or your uncle say, you know, I'll tell you what, uh, man, man takes, care of his, takes care of his family and his house. You know, how many times have you heard from your daddy one way or the other or some, some male person that, you know, uh, you got to get it on your own. You got to do this and you got to do that. Well, it's true, you know, we, we got to work. We need to have initiative. But the thing is, is it goes from that to the thing where you've got to, you've got to save up your money and you've got to have a million dollars in the bank and you've got to have the property and this and that and the other. And it creates this, this unholy drive in the people to accumulate and to have. And if, it, if this unholy drive is created and somehow or another you don't wind up having or owning or getting, then when you hit 50 years old and you don't have anything, then you have this complex and this identity crisis and you begin to question God and you begin to, you begin to 
downplay the, 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 uh, the, really the benefits of belonging to the king and you begin to overlook the glory that comes from him your way every day. Now see, if we're not careful, that's where we'll be. Then that's where I've been for about two weeks. Poor little old me. It is hard for me to let go. Let's see, who was it? Robert Shuler said, let go and let God. That sounds so cornball. But you know what? There's truth to it. My responsibility today is to do what I can today. What my part is and let God do his. You know, I haven't, I haven't been um, foolish in career decisions. I've had to make the decisions that God wanted me to make. And so I'm therefore content with that. And will he take care of me? Yes, he will. One way or the other. Because he's obligated to. I belong to him. I'm his property. I'm his responsibility. And I just believe he's going to come through. And so if you get to the place where you don't think he's coming through, you need to think again because he's coming through. may not be when you want it, but he's coming through. So you need to build on your foundation part of that trust. <coughs> Excuse me. That trust. And I don't know if that helped you or not, but it helped me. So if your foundations are destroyed, um, just to sort of put this all together for you, if your foundations are being destroyed, the things that you've trusted in, the things that, in some cases, the lies that you've believed, then you need to get back to the real foundation. It's Jesus, okay? And then you need to build from there on that foundation the things that he seeks after. Not what you seek after, what he seeks after. Do you know how many times over the years I've just heard people just argue? And uh, the people in church, they'll come to you, Pastor got this problem and this problem, da 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 And then you try to tell them what they need to do and they won't hear it because that's not what they want to do. It's not the way they want to approach it. You see, it's not the way we want to approach God. It's the way God wants us to approach Him. And it's true He takes us like we are, but He ain't, he ain't obligated to take your stuff. Okay? And that's just the way it is. He ain't obligated to take your stuff. Because there's some stuff he's going The Word teaches that he prunes it away. And that he burns it away. And he rolls it away. And uh, it's so good for you. Isn't it? It's good for you. So anyway, that's really all I got. I love y'all so much. And I'm glad you came. And we've had some good discussion about a variety of different subjects. And uh, we'll be back on Friday night at 7 o'clock. Let's just pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, uh, <clears throat> my goodness, Bill. I may have spoke too soon a while ago. I'm sorry. It, that's not real spiritual of me to stop praying to look at this, but I don't know what that is. Put this under the microscope, Bill, when you get home. See what that is. Maybe a sequin, I don't know, but take that right there. I don't know what that is. Father, in Jesus' name, there are we just want to praise you and bless your name for your goodness and for your continued truth and for being who you are and being consistent, Lord. And for for burning away the things that needs to be burned, Lord, and for washing away the things that need to be washed, and for demonstrating to us, Lord, that you're after our heart. And after our soul. So God we bless your name. For loving us. 
and for being with us and for all these promises that you've made. And Lord, for everyone that's sick. Who's sick in here? Ken's sick. Father, in Jesus' name, Beverly's sick. John. John's got the flu. Okay, John. John. Sean Ziegler. Sean Ziegler got the flu. And Ken's sick. Has he got the flu too? Bronchitis. In Jesus' name, I speak right now to the bronchitis and I say, be healed in Jesus' name. For the flu, be healed in Jesus' name. Who else? Okay, Christy's friend, bronchitis. It's the flu stuff. Maris's little brother Bud. What's wrong with Bud? Oh, he's never sick, and he's got a really bad flu. <clears throat> okay, Lord, in in Bud's life, um, this is interesting. He's never been sick. Okay, got to be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Father, in Jesus' name, create in Bud an empathy for those who are ill and sick and hurting. And we know you're doing that. But God, be merciful to him and be kind to him and heal him in Jesus' name. I think that's a good way to approach that. Because, God, you're, you're teaching all of us stuff. And, and, Lord, allow us to learn the lessons. But all of the sick, Lord, all of the diseased, all of the tormented, all of, the, all of those, Lord, who stand in need of a miracle today, whether it's financial, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual, whether it's relational, God, whether it's in terms of they need a job or they need a raise, oh, God, we put these things before you. And we just spread them out before you like there's a scroll, dear God. And we ask you to read our needs. And you're the God of all glory and the God of all blessing and the God of all grace. And we don't have to state need for need for need, but we will state that which comes to mind. But all these needs, God, you know what the package is. And you know where the pain is. And you know where the help is needed, God. And sometimes we need help in unseen and unexpected areas. Oh, God. I ask you, Lord, to minister to those needs and areas and heal us and bless us and help us, God. <coughs> and to make our way for us tomorrow, Lord. The enemies of the cross of Jesus are at work in our lives. They're at work in our families and they're at work in our jobs. They're at work in our neighborhoods. They're at work in the schools and they're at work in our minds, Lord. The enemies of the cross of Christ. And we just plead the blood of Jesus, Lord, over every area that the enemies of the cross of Christ is after in our lives, whatever they may be. And we just speak, we speak death to the plans of the enemy against us. And we speak life, Lord, to your plans. And we speak life, Lord, to your ways. And we speak life, Lord, to the lessons that you want us to have. We speak life to the destiny that lies within each of us, Lord, and that we're on the threshold and the brink of discovering. We just speak life, Lord, to the destinies of our children. And we just ask you to watch over and protect them, God. I thank you for watching over and protecting my children and my grandchildren, for my wife, Lord, and for my parents and my sister and her family. And I thank you, Lord, for those things. So right now, in Jesus' name, Lord, whatever it is that's coming against us, we ask you, Lord, to thwart it in your own divine wonderful, great, sovereign way and to deliver us, Lord, from the evil that surround us and to keep us from the evil and allow us to triumph over it, God, with just one thought from your throne. And Lord, we pray for this house. This is a place of ministry 
and a place of blessing. It is a place of life and encouragement. It's a place of new happenings and new beginnings. It's a place, Lord, of, of great signs and wonders. And we thank you, dear God, that it's here. And we thank you, dear God, that you're going to allow it to continue down through the decades. <coughs> and Lord, we believe this house is our house. And we just ask you, Lord, to work a miracle and deliver it into our hands, Lord, so we can have worship and we can have teaching and we can have people to come in, Lord, with anointings and to bless this area and this region, Lord. We volunteer for that. We volunteered for it years ago, Lord. And you brought us to this place. And we believe this is the day and this is the time. And so, Lord, deliver it to us, Lord, in your own sovereign great way so that no one can get credit but you. Lord, keep us from our own foolishness. And keep us from the error of our ways. Give us wisdom and discernment and knowledge, Lord, And words of love and blessing to everyone who comes. In Jesus' name, Lord, please get the glory from our lives. And that everyone in this room have good health and presence of mind all the days of their lives. Sound bodies, Lord with no disease and no sickness, no pain of old age. Let us be happy in our profession of faith and be joyful, Lord, in our walk of life. And just work out all the kinks, Lord, for us. In Jesus' name, Yeshua, we pray.